You got to understand, our setup team gets here about 7 o'clock in the morning, and we run through all of this. And, and sometimes there's little hiccups, there's little gremlins in our tech. That's okay. That's not going to prevent us from proclaiming the word of God today. I'm going to have a handheld microphone. That's okay. That's okay. Hey, when we Christians gather together, that typically happens on, on Sunday morning. Hey, by the way, we're Christians 24-7. We do gather together for things like small groups. We gather together to serve. We gather together on Sunday mornings to worship our God together. And we worship through our prayers. We worship through studying God's word. We certainly worship through singing. One of the ways that we dedicated Christians worship God is, is by our offering. If this is your church home, you may present your offering to God one of several ways, you may sign up for online giving on our website or our app or text to give. You may also present your physical offering in our baskets, either on our way, your way in or way out. Our basket today is by our refreshment stand as a further encouragement to utilize that refreshment stand and stay well hydrated today. Hey, church family, let's go to our God in prayer. Would you bow your heads with me? Father God, you are architect of the universe. So what could we say? What in the world could we do but offer our hearts completely to you? Lord God, that's not something we just want to sing. That's not something we just want to say. Make it so. We want to be completely yours. We know that you are our God. We desire to be your people. Not just in word, but in deed. Lord God, there are so many in our community who are lost. Lord God, so many who are here today who are lost. We confess to you, Lord God, that we know that you desire to draw us closer to you. And so, Lord God, would you help us to build that relationship with you? Help us to not just check in with you once a week or twice a year or whatever it is, Lord God. Help us to give our hearts completely to you. And Father God, in this very challenging message that you have for us today, would you open our hearts, would you soften our hearts of stone so that we may receive exactly what you have for us. All of this we ask in your precious son, Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, for the second week in a row, I'm going to ask your permission to sweat. It's hot out here. You're sweating. I'm sweating. We're just going to make that agreement with each other right now. Hey, at Charter Oak Church, all summer, we've been studying the biblical book of 1 John. The biblical book of 1 John. If you are brand new with us today, no worries. You can jump right in. I, I would encourage you to follow along in a Bible that you have right in front of you. If you have the Bible app on your phone, that's great. 
Truly, if you want a physical Bible that you can write and take notes in, we got some. They are yours. This is not a library. You can take this. This belongs to you. We want to get the Word of God in your hands. So, we are studying 1 John. And if you are new to us, I, I want to I caution you because John is blunt. The Apostle John is a blunt person he writes <laughs> like like he doesn't have anything to lose I, I mean john comes across i love this john comes across with best friend vibes he really does like your best friends sometimes your closest friends your best friends don't just tell you what you want to hear i know we want to hear what we want to hear but it's our best friends it's our closest friends who will sometimes tell us what we need to hear and that's exactly what john does he tells us what we need to hear and my goodness i don't know about you but there are some very special times in my life where i need somebody to come into my life and just tell me like it is i need somebody to give me a wake-up call sometimes and john's whole letter is a big old wake-up call for us not necessarily what we want to hear, but absolutely what we need to hear. Sometimes we need that wake-up call, don't we? Because there is somebody here today who is lost. There is somebody here today that just got some bad news and they don't know exactly what to do about it. There is somebody, there is somebody here today who is just beaten down by life. And if that is you today, I have got such good news for you. The good news for you today is that God exists. God loves you. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to cover all of your sin, past, present, and future. And it doesn't end there. Very common misconception about our faith that giving your life to Jesus is the finish line. Giving your life to Jesus is the starting line, friends. It doesn't end with salvation because God wants to draw us closer to him in discipleship. God wants to draw us closer to him in discipleship. Here's the wake-up call. Are we following Jesus in discipleship? Are we truly following Jesus and discipleship? Do we know Jesus? Do we have the love of Jesus Christ in us? Have we really been saved? Are we really Christians? That is the question that John invites us to ask ourselves. And then, hey, what we studied last week, John comes at us with another hard truth. Here's the hard truth, and here's another wake-up call. Friends, it's not really difficult to tell who is a Christian. It's very easy to see who is living life with the love of Jesus Christ inside of them. Let's talk about this. How can you tell a Christian? What does a Christian look like? How can you know for sure that somebody is a Christian? Is it a cross necklace? Nothing wrong with that. Now, is that how you tell that somebody's a Christian, though? Is it the Christian band t-shirt? Nothing wrong with that. But how do you really tell that somebody is a Christian? Do you know the song? 
They will know we are Christians by our, by our, thank you. They will know that we are Christians by our love, by our love. And, and, and so we need to wrestle with that, Christians. We need to look in the mirror. We need to ask ourselves the question that John is inviting us to ask ourselves. Do we manifest the love of God if we call ourselves Christians? We want that to be true for us individually. If it's true for us individually, it darn sure better be true for us as a church. Church, when we come together, we want to be known for our love in this community. We want to be famous for our love and our service and our sacrifice in this community. Not famous for our own glory, but famous for the glory of God. And so if you are new to Charter Oak Church, it is our great desire to plant campuses all throughout Westmoreland County. We don't want people coming to us. We want to go out to the people of Westmoreland County. We have made a great commitment to be on mission regionally and nationally and internationally. Right here at Crossroads Campus, we have committed to breaking bread with the students of Hutchison Elementary every Tuesday night during the school year. God has opened a door for us to go into the Greensburg-Salem Middle School this January. We pray that God is opening the door for us to have a ministerial presence in every school in our region. That's by God's grace. We won't be famous for our service. We want to be famous for our love, not for our own glory, but for God's glory. And so we got to wrestle with that. Are we known for our love? Is the love of Jesus Christ inside of us? We want to wrestle with that. But friends, we don't want to worry about it. Here's today's message in a nutshell. Today's theme is that love, please listen to this, love is not necessary for our salvation. Love is not necessary for our salvation. It is evidence of our salvation. That is a challenging statement. And you're going to hear a lot of challenging statements today. Please receive the word of God as spoken by the Apostle John. If you're following along in your Bibles, we are in 1 John chapter 3, starting in verse 19. I'm going to try to read this with a handheld mic. It's going to be a little bit challenging. That's okay. It's what John has to tell us. It's what God has to tell us. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask. Because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commands us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him, and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the Spirit. We know it by the Spirit that he gave us. 
My friends, can I share something with you today? It is so appropriate that we wrestle with the fruit of our faith. And even though it is appropriate that we wrestle with the fruit of our faith, we don't worry about the fruit of our faith because today's message for you is about assurance. God wants you and I to be assured of our salvation. Let's dig in. Verse 19, this is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. Now, if you're taking notes, I would encourage you to circle the word no. Circle the word K-N-O-W. No, it's going to pop up several times in what we read today. John begins this section by declaring that we can know salvation is ours. And if we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that salvation is ours, our hearts are what? Our hearts are at rest. Our hearts are at rest if we know that salvation is ours. I'm not asking you for a show of hands, but is there anyone out there today whose heart is not at rest? Is there anyone whose heart is restless? I bet there are. I bet there That's of the enemy. Because you know our good Father does not want our hearts to be restless. God wants us to have peace. God wants His kids to have peace. And so let me ask you, just logically, when are our hearts at rest? When do we have peace? We are at peace when we know for sure. Our hearts are at rest when we know for sure, just in mundane ways, but very important ways. Like, if I know that I have enough income to cover my household expenses, my heart's at rest. If I know grandma or grandpa is picking up the kids from school, my heart is at rest. When I finish up my daily to-do list and I check off that last box and I can sit on the couch and watch pro wrestling. Yes, I do. I just got confessed that before you today. I love pro wrestling. When I can, my wife does not. That's just a little thing between us. But when I can check off everything on my to-do list, sit down, sit on the couch and watch whatever pleases God, my heart's at rest because I know for sure the work is done. I know for sure that I will be okay. And so how can we know for sure that we are saved? I bet more than a few of you have asked yourself that question. How can we know for sure that we are saved? How can we know for sure that the work is done? How can we know for sure that everything is going to be okay? Well, check out the first words of this verse, verse 19. Three words kick off this verse 19. Those three words are, this is how. This is how. And so we got to look backwards. We've got to look backwards to find out exactly how. We may know for sure that the love of God is inside of us. We studied this last week. Verse 16 says, this is how we know. This is how we know. There's that word again. What love is. 
Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, I love this verse, let us not love with words or speech, but let us love with actions and in truth. Let us not love just with our words. Let us love with our actions. Here's a wake-up call for us today, friends, and somebody needs to hear this. Being a Christian is not some frivolous thing. Inviting Jesus Christ into your heart, inviting the Holy Spirit to command your soul is not some frivolous thing. Too many of us think it is. When you accept Jesus' salvation, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and as your Lord, Two things happen immediately when you invite Jesus into your life. Two things happen immediately. The first thing that happens is you are saved. You're saved. You don't have to do anything to earn salvation. Jesus earned it for you by his blood that was shed on the cross for you and for I. The first thing that happens when you make Jesus your Savior is he's your Savior. You're saved. There's a second thing that happens that we so often overlook. The second thing that happens immediately when you and I become Christians is that God starts to transform your heart. God starts the transformation process. That's a big churchy word called sanctification. And it is part and parcel of the salvation. It is part and parcel of the salvation can I make a very controversial statement? And this is truly a controversial statement. The entire council of, of, of Scripture bears witness to what I'm about to say. It's a controversial statement. By the way, if I ever make a statement that you have a question about or you disagree with, please come talk to me. I love to talk with you. We can talk about it over a burger today. But I'm going to say something right now that is gospel truth and that somebody needs to hear. Is it possible, is it possible to imagine that we are Christians, to think that we are Christians, but not actually be a Christian? Is it possible? Of course it's possible. Of course, it's please stay. This is a statement out of complete love. Somebody needs to hear this. Somebody needs a wake-up call. Because John bears witness to the truth of that answer. James bears witness to the truth of that answer. Do you know who really bears witness to the truth of that answer? Jesus Christ. When Jesus tells us, in black and white terms, that in the end, there are going to be many people who cry out, Lord, Lord, and I'm going to say, I never knew you. You never knew me. 
And I think our Lord is going to say that with tears in his eyes, with a broken heart. But somebody needs to hear that today. It is possible for us to think that maybe we are Christians, but not actually be Christians. Love is not necessary for our salvation, but it is evidence of our salvation. Are you letting God transform your heart? Or are you growing every day to love studying Scripture and praying more and more? Do you love joining together with your brothers and sisters to worship even when it's 95 degrees out? Do you love it? Do you love it? What When an opportunity to, to give comes up, do we give to our neighbors? When an opportunity to serve comes up, do we jump on that opportunity? These and so many more are evidences of a transformed heart. If these and so many other instances of love are not present in our lives, it may be, it may be evidence that our hearts have not yet been transformed. And I say that in love. And John says this through the veil of 2,000 years in complete love. May I also say one other thing that's very controversial? Perhaps, I hope it's not controversial. If you are sitting there today, if you are sitting there right now and you are saying to yourself, my goodness, I think you're right. I don't think the love of God is manifest in my life. I, I, don't, I don't feel that I know Jesus very well. I've thought I was a Christian for many years but I don't see the fruit of faith in my life. If that's you, I love you. That is awesome. And you are right where you need to be. If you are having those feelings, those feelings are called conviction. We don't often talk about conviction in our culture today. We don't want to be convicted because it's a little bit messy it comes across as a little bit harsh. I will also tell you that conviction is essential to our transformation process. Friends, it is so appropriate to wrestle with the fruit of our salvation. But not to worry about it because that is called conviction. And it's exactly, friends, what John addresses next. Starting in verse 20, listen to this. If our hearts condemn us, if our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and He knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Now again, if you're taking notes in your Bible, circle that word condemn. And let's zoom in. Let's laser focus on this verse 20 here. This verse 20 is for all of us who worry about our salvation. For any of us who think, my goodness, am I doing enough? I, I want to be a Christian. I desire to be a Christian. But am I doing enough? Do I have enough good works on my ledger? My friends, if those thoughts plague you, if you worry about things like that, 
John comes in at the absolute perfect time in his letter, a very harsh letter, a very straight to the point, black and white letter. And he writes this verse 20 to ease our worry. John says this in verse 20, if you're worried that you are not doing enough, don't worry. If you are worried that you are not doing enough to please God, don't worry. Because God is greater than your worry and He knows you. You're His child. He knows your desire to be His. He knows your desire to live a righteous life. Even when you fall short. And friends, guess what? When we fall short, that's exactly why Jesus Christ came to this earth. Amen? You will fall short. Please do not worry if you have done enough. Now, let's zoom out. Let's zoom out to cover everything that John has talked about in the previous three verses. God also knows those who have no desire. God knows all of those who have no desire to live a righteous life. And, and for those of us who have no desire to actually be God's child, for those of us who have no desire to live a righteous life, it's to that person that Jesus warns us in advance that He is going to say, I never knew you with a broken heart and tears in His eyes. My friends, if that sounds harsh to you, that's exactly, that's exactly why John is writing to us. So that that scenario never has to play out in your life. Now if we move on to verse 21, verse 21 is the ideal situation. Verse 21 is the ideal situation. It's where we want to be. It's where God wants us to be with no doubt and fully confident in our salvation. So we have confidence before God. Verse 22 continues. We have confidence before God. We receive from Him anything we ask because we keep His commands and do what pleases Him. And this is God's command, in case there's any confusion, to believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as He commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. Please believe, friends, that being a Christian is not some frivolous thing. Do you know what we can claim as Christians? As a Christian, I can stand before the architect of the universe uncondemned, guilt-free, innocent, and perfect. I can stand before the creator of the universe and be known as his son. And not only can you and I stand before the architect of the universe as sons and daughters, but we can ask our Father for anything. What's He going to do? He's going to give it to us. What an incredible reality 
Now, I want to be very, very blunt with this. If you are taking notes in your Bible, would you circle that phrase, receive from him anything we ask? We can receive from our good father anything we ask. We got to talk about this because this is one of those juicy, juicy pieces of scripture that we love to take out of context. We love to take this out of context. This is a very true statement, what you see before you. So much so that it is repeated so often in Scripture, so often in the New Testament. God gives His kids what they ask for. But there's a clear requirement. There is a very clear requirement from God to give his children anything they ask. Do you know what that requirement is? Because John spells it out right here. It's that we are indeed his kids. God gives his kids what they request. It's a clear requirement. We gotta clear up this confusion because this is taken out of context so often. It is used to justify sin. It is used to justify disbelief because God didn't answer my prayer. You need to be living in God's will for him to answer your prayer. Psalm 66 verse 18 says, If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. <laughs> So let's clear up a very common misconception about our God. And again, this is going to be a difficult, controversial statement. God does not respond to every single prayer that comes to Him on the planet. He just doesn't. It kind of makes sense a little bit, right? There are 7 billion plus people on the planet. How many prayers do you think God gets a day that are sinful or harmful from people who don't know Him? Do you understand what I mean? Do you understand what I mean? God will not grant the requests of people that are going to harm themselves with that prayer request, right? God's not going to give his kids something that's harmful to them. That makes parents, you know exactly what I'm talking about, don't you? You have the heart of a mother or a father. And you are made in God's image. And parents, we want to give. We want to give our kids every good thing, don't we? When our kids, we want our kids to ask us for good things, don't we? Because that's how we raise them. And when my kids ask me for something that's going to be good and beneficial and holy to them, it's theirs. It's theirs. If my kids ask me for something that's harmful, I'm not going to give it to them. My daughter wants a horse. I, and, and, and some of you own horses. They're awesome. I have no idea how to take care of a horse. That would be very irresponsible and very dangerous for me to give my daughter a horse. So I'm not going to grant that request. If my son or daughter ever asked me for a Philadelphia Flyers jersey for Christmas, I'm not going to grant that request because that would be harmful and awful to them. You understand what I mean? Hold the applause. Hold the applause till the end. Please understand today that it's when we are doing what Dad commands that he listens to us. 
and answers our prayers. Tech team, let's go back to 1 John 3, 22 through 24. Let's put that up on the, on the screen there. What exactly does God command us to do? We're going to end with this. What is it exactly that God commands us to do first? To believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. And if you're taking notes in your Bible, you can circle that phrase and just write a number one next to it. We must believe in Jesus. Please don't let this thought go over your head. We must believe in Jesus. He is Savior of my life. He is Lord of my life. Christ died. Christ was buried. Christ was risen. And because of that, our sins are completely forgiven and we have eternal life. Here's the deal. Not everyone believes that. Not everyone believes that. As we start to close today, I've got to be so real with you. Because I love you so much. There are so many people, and there are so many people that I know who have no relationship with God. Who have no relationship with God, and then tragedy strikes. And then they go to God in prayer. They, they go to a God that they don't really believe in in prayer and, and 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 sometimes that's legitimate sometimes they really go in humility on their knees seeking god and that's wonderful but so oftentimes the posture of that prayer is arrogance the posture of that prayer is i don't really believe in you anyway but if you are out there you will answer my prayer exactly like I ask you to, and exactly in the time frame that I ask you, and if you don't, then you're not really there. Maybe you know somebody like this in your life. Maybe you are that person. And if that is you today, I tell you this in love. I love you so much, and I want to be your brother. I tell you this today in love, please, before tragedy strikes in your life, before you think you need God, please make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. Please, before tragedy strikes. And God listens to the requests of those who are living in His will. The second command that John lays out here is to love one another. To simply love one another. And if you're taking notes, you may circle this and write a number two. My friends, the letter of 1 John is a love letter. It is a love letter. Please believe that. And all the blunt language, all the stuff that hits like a slap in the face, it's all out of extreme love. And there is no doubt that we are commanded to love one another the way Jesus loves us. If 1 John is a love letter, what do love letters describe? Relationships. Love letters describe relationships. Friends, if you have been convicted today, if you can take an honest look in the mirror and say, my goodness, my relationship with the architect of the universe is not where it should be. That's okay. 
I am so glad you are here today. Can I share with you one thing that will do more than anything to deepen your relationship with God? Talk to Him. Talk to God. It's what we call prayer. And don't only talk to God, but would you listen to God? When you and I are praying to God, sometimes we're going to be convicted. We're, we're going to think to ourselves, our heart is going to say, my goodness, you missed an opportunity to love somebody. When you miss an opportunity to love somebody, ask God's forgiveness. It's yours. There are going to be times when we're praying to God that our hearts don't convict us. Give thanks that you are living in God's will. My friends, would you allow your prayer life to deepen your relationship with God and to deepen your love of other people? It's what our Father commands. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father God, we love you so much. It is so good to worship with you. Oh, Father God, sometimes it's uncomfortable, and I'm not talking about the weather. Lord God, sometimes your word's uncomfortable because it convicts us. But Father God, we want to confess to you today that we are not looking for you to affirm our lifestyle. We want to look to you to ask you how we should be living. Lord God, we know you saved us. Help us to act like it. It's in your precious son, Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.